Welcome to the one and only Circle City Seneba with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Welcome into Circle City Cinema, Oscars week this week on the Running Hook Podcast Network, and I'm joined by my good friend, Cooper Ogle. Cooper, up? welcome back, son. Hey, been a while. <laughs> That's been a while. Uh, Coop, Cooper, it's a, it's a conflicting time because uh, I think you and I both look forward to the Oscars every year. But uh, I don't know why. Why? Why do we look forward to the Oscars every year? It's it's an abusive relationship. Let's be real. <laughs> I, the last time I honestly watched was the first time I watched, which was when Leo finally won his Oscar. I sit up all night nice. for that. Nice. Really hyped. He won. And I, I said, you know what? This is a good note to end on. I don't want to watch another one. Uh, <laughs> I do. You know, I check him every couple of days because I'm always interested in, oh, what won this, you know, this certain year? What won that? Was this nominated? Whatever. And 2017, that, that was a fun year. And, you know, we Oscars have had some rocky years, especially 2015. Dear God, just yeah. 2015. Right. But I do think they've come back in years. You know, this year they've made a big change to actually watch all the films. <laughs> something I was not able to do before this podcast. I tried. So all my views tonight will be from an old Oscars viewpoint, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going based upon what I've heard. But yeah, for those who don't know, and I think you touched on it in an earlier podcast that the Oscars this year, you know, they try to go through mandatory training for more sensitivity and inclusion. Cause for films like Minari, one of the best picture noms, this film, it's right. an American film mostly spoken in Korean, but they wanted to put it in the foreign film category because of that, even though it was set in America, made in America. And so this year they're trying to be more inclusive. And I I know you and Brett, when you went through all their changes, you weren't really happy with them. I read through them. I think it's going to be a little strange this year with them adapting to it, but I think it's going to work. I do. Yeah. uh, Our problem with it was like, Hey, we get what you're trying to do, but, uh, it's, I, I just don't think it's the way to go about it. Maybe you should just nominate movies like that anyway instead of making the credentials like that for everybody, you know? That's fair, yeah. And, yeah, requiring so many minorities in your film or whatever, and, yeah, that's that's kind of strange, you know? Like, there's I a mean, good it's a good cause behind it, but uh, just went, went about it the wrong way. But uh, I think they'll drop that in due time, let's be real, because, you know... If if you're making a film about like the Klan, you know it's gonna be a lot of black people, a lot of white people, and not really gonna have a lot of Asians or may, maybe some you know Jewish people, maybe some Irish because the Klan really hated the Irish. But they hated everybody. That's true. But <laughs> mainly it was the black community and the Irish community, surprisingly. Yeah, uh, but you know. Yeah, we made our. If you want to listen to thoughts on the changes that were made, which I don't think they those don't go into effect until I think twenty twenty four. Don't quote me on that, but it's not this year. So uh, this is the ninety third ceremony. It's this Sunday at eight p.m. Cooper, you and I are doing a live show with live reactions. Uh, it'll be your first viewing of the Oscars, I guess, since twenty fifteen. <laughs> 
uh, at least I don't plan to be sober for the most part. Well, that's, that makes that's a fine. difference. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, interesting here. Steven Soderbergh, one of the, I think you and I can agree, one of the 10 most important filmmakers the past 20 years. Steven Soderbergh. Fair. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the main producers of the ceremony this year. Does this make you more optimistic? And let me just tell you, it makes me more optimistic because there's no fucking musical numbers this year. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, that's a big one. I was very hyped. When you texted me that, and what I'm wondering is how do the producers normally work for the Oscars? Because I assumed it's just kind of some guy who has run it for like a decade or so till they vote some new person in for the board. I don't know if it's like Keynes where they switch out producers every year. Right. And Soderbergh is one of those people where his name in the movie community draws a lot of attention. I like his work, but honestly, I'm not very good about naming a lot of his work. And I feel like that's how most people are. He's kind of one of those people where it's like, oh, Soderbergh, Soderbergh. Who's yeah. that again? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, you know, yeah, like we know most of his movies, like the oceans trilogy. Yes. Uh, thank you. The informant, uh, yeah. traffic movies like that. And you're totally right. Like I think, I think a lot of people who aren't cinephiles, like, like you and I, they see Steven Soderbergh and they're like, hey, I like his stuff. And then they can't name any of his stuff. But that's <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. But uh, so you, I think we can agree this makes us more optimistic, especially cutting out the no musical numbers because uh, this isn't the Grammys, folks. Like, come, what, come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, I will say it was pretty cool when Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper sang at I think it was the 2019 ceremony. But Well, I think that the Oscars has always done music better than the Grammys anyway, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's other than the musical numbers, which have finally been done away with. Thank God. uh, What's, what's the one thing you change about the ceremony? So going off when Leo won, what I remember was when you go through the Oscar nominations on their website every year, they're always in the same order of, I believe it's like best, actor then actress then supporting actor supporting actress then i think best film is where that comes in and you kind of go down the list and then when leo won that year they put his category at the very end because they knew that's what everyone was waiting for right and that's annoying to me i think i I don't know how they do it this year i don't know how they've done it in other years because once again have not watched i've seen snippets here and there various ones but they should present it in the same order that it's presented on their website I think that'll make things just easier for people who want to go through and watch previous years. That'll make people more engaged. They'll know, hey, you know, because no one wants to watch a two-hour ceremony. No, you know, p- people, nobody. they are interested in certain specific categories. And then and cutting be- out the music is going to help with that. Th- that's fair. We'll cut out the time a lot. You know, that'll be nice. So. I think that's the best thing, especially in this day and age where people just want quick snippet, get out 30 seconds or less, streamlining it, keeping things uniform really helps everyone. Yeah. Um, one thing, so the order they usually present it in is they usually try and reel you in at the beginning and they put like best supporting actor and best supporting actress as the two first uh, categories to be announced, which I think is pretty smart. I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, that uh, that's not how they're doing it this year. They're announcing they're doing another category first, which uh, I always enjoyed the 
two of the acting categories at the top. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, see, I like that. Builds up, you know, supporting, then lead, and then best picture or whatever. I like that. Like, last year, we got to see Brad Pitt win within the first half hour, and that was pretty cool. Now, slight aside, I don't know if they're doing it this year or not. You said, you know, obviously they're trying to be more inclusive, and I haven't read anything, and feel free to just skip this if you don't know either, but how do they handle, you know, transgender people? Because, you know, Elliot Page is big this year. I don't think he's nominated for anything, but... Well, the way that, that goes, categories? I think it just... So, like, Elliot Page would be eligible for Best Actor from now on. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if they're, like, trying to do a third category, which to me feels wrong, but also feels like something that Oscars yeah, that'd would be, do. Let's be real. That would that would be wrong. And I, I agree. It's something they would try to do and get yeah. fail. They would fail miserably. But yeah. uh, moving on to the actual candidates, what do you think... Uh, is the biggest snub this year. I talked to you off the, off the mic about what I thought was, and we both agree on one for sure. But uh, actually let's just start with Mank. Why have Mank's chances dropped so much? Uh, Mank has the most nominations. It has 10 nominations, most at any film. So, but it just feels like it's not going to win anything. I agree. And the big thing that I've heard recently is that it came out in December and you know, there's been a lot of months between that. And you know, we're a fourth of the way, or are we a third of the way now? Third, right? Yeah, third through of the, the way year. through the year. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone fast. And uh, <laughs> yes. it's just one of those things where it falls out of people's minds. And another thing is that a lot of people, you know, when it came out, like, oh, you know, it, it didn't really happen like this. You know, Herman Mankiewicz, he, he got a lot of support actually from Orson Welles, you know, unlike in the films, like, yeah, I get that. They played out for a lot of drama, but that's not a big important thing. So a lot of people got a little upset about that as the ending part of the stories that's kind of in the back of their mind, the last thing they remember. And then there's also the fact that it, um, if you haven't seen any Orson Welles films, especially Citizen Kane, and you don't know a lot of the history behind it, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, sure, it's good, but you're really not going to care. It's a film made for cinephiles that was marketed to a broader audience because of Netflix. And so exactly. a lot of people watch it like, yeah, it's good, moved on. Whereas something like, you know, a Judas and the Black Messiah, that's lasting power because of 2020's riots, because of Fred Hampton's story, right. because of just regular pop culture nowadays. It's it's a lot broader category, something yeah, that's mean, always going to be talked about. Exactly, and that's why I picked it for one of the bigger categories. But, um, you know, you and I, who, you know, I've changed my mind. David Fincher is now my favorite director, and I think he's one of your favorites, no doubt about it. I, You know, I, I could put him at two. Number one for me, though, always going to be Denny Villeneuve. Always. Well, we know that. We know that. He doesn't miss. <laughs> he doesn't miss. I'll give you he that. He does but, not miss. Um, I just think, like, we have to really look in the mirror, Coop, and be like, David Fincher is probably never going to win an Oscar now. Because, number one, he just doesn't make movies that often. Like, this is his first movie since Gone Girl. Well, he made Mindhunter and he made Fight Club, so fuck him. Mindhunter is fucking awesome. Why don't it's fucking awesome? And if he wants to make awesome TV instead of really good movies, because well, he said that he probably wouldn't go back to Mindhunter because he said he's working 90 hour weeks while making that. 
Damn. Uh, 90 wow. hours. Yeah, I don't Which, blame him. Listening through your Fight Club podcast, I didn't realize that the guy who plays Bill Tench is in Fight Club is the guy who says, you know, I get it. In, you know, Project Mayhem, we have no names. Yeah. Bill Tench, baby. <laughs> it makes sense, you know. But uh, I just think we have to look in the mirror and be like, hey, one of them. Again, with Soderbergh, one of the 10 most important filmmakers of the past 20 years, he's probably not going to win an Oscar. Just because he doesn't yeah. make movies that often. And quite honestly, I don't think he cares. Watching interviews with him, he's just like, I'm just here to make shit, entertain people. I don't care. He's got that David Lynch feel to him. Like, I, I remember probably one of the most famous quotes from an interview with Lynch is where he says, Eraserhead's my most religious film ever. And the interviewer <laughs> says, elaborate on that. And he just says, no. <laughs> it was great. He doesn't care. David Lynch doesn't care. He doesn't care. Uh, and I'm going to give you the floor here on Tenet because Tenet was basically ignored here. Tenet. Uh, just, 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 just riff. For those who haven't seen Tenet, we have a podcast on it. I recommend watching it. I try to go through better the physics before I'm cut off. Even though I did a three hour <laughs> write up on it after reading through the main doctor's papers who helped out. Nobody with asked also. you to do that. Nobody asked you to do that. It's going to help out for interstellar. It's going to help out. I'm going through the science. Okay. And, Tenet is just as great about it. And behind the scenes, I talk about a bunch of amazing technical aspects of even having Nolan had the IMAX camera creators make a way for them to film in reverse that it didn't mess up the playback. So somehow it affected it. I, I watched the documentary and I, I thought it was an amazing film. Certainly it should be nominated for editing, but it has not been nominated for that. Only thing it's no. been nominated for, I believe, is just Visual visuals. Effects. Yeah, effects, which kind of a lot of BS in my opinion. It is. And is Tenet, think, is Tenet your biggest snub this year? Absolutely. I I think it's one of the largest films of the year, certainly. And it came out at a tough time. And it had to fail so that others could succeed later yes. on. And a lot of these got pushed back. So they're all kind of around at once. So that's why people don't remember Tenet. They don't remember Mank because those are the two big ones that I remember in recent time that came out and still qualified for the Oscars that were way ahead of they were they released way ahead of time in comparison to the other nominations. Yeah. Tenet and Mank. And I know at least for me personally, were the my two most anticipated movies, but the Oscars has always hated sci-fi films and they've always, always. hated, they've always hated Nolan always. No, always. They've always hated them. Like, yeah, looking through Interstellar today, I can't even believe not even nominated for best score. That's or, no, it was. It was nominated. Oh, did okay. not win. Oh, just well, a shame. Didn't well. Just okay. Fine. Whatever. Forget it. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the 2015 Oscars. So just <laughs> you don't want to look. You don't want to look, man. That no, you don't. Uh, my big snub is the Five Bloods. <laughs> Uh, do you care to guess how many Oscar nominations Spike Lee has, Coop, in his in his whole career? So, I mainly knew Spike Lee through a lot of his politics. Had I actually seen any films by him? I don't think. Haven't looked through his whole discography until I saw "Do the Right Thing" when I bought that big yeah. you know, seven Spike Lee joint yeah, that box from, from me. Barnes and Noble. I screw you, pal. You took <laughs> Zodiac from me. So. Which I love, do the right thing. I thought it was amazing, and it's like, oh well, you know, I, I like Spike Lee films. Need to see more, but I, uh, the Five Bloods. I heard a lot of mixed reviews about it. I, there was a lot of hype, and then a lot of people were like, eh. 
Yeah. But I heard it's good with the music, kind of like a baby driver thing where plot yeah, follows is. the you know, music cues. Really good so, with the music. I haven't seen it. Did not have time to see it. Forgot about it. Honestly, didn't even know it was nominated for any Oscars. But you understand Spike Lee's importance. Oh, yeah, I do. I do understand his yeah, importance. Yeah. I think his films are good for how many nominations uh, over the years. So I think 89 was Do the Right Thing. That's when he started. Yeah. I know you have... Oh, okay. I see. I see what you have here. Okay. Yeah. Well... Personally, I'd probably want to say like eight nominations, but you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's four, it's four. He has four mm-hmm. nominations, only one win. Spike Lee, one of the <laughs> I don't know, thirty greatest filmmakers of all time, and he he has four nominations from the Academy. The Five Bloods only has one, which is just baffling because the National Board of Review, Board of Review said it was the best movie of twenty twenty. Uh, I thought it was the best Netflix movie of this year. I thought it was better than Mank. Really? Yeah. I thought it was better than Mank. I thought it was better than uh, Chicago 7. Uh, I, I just didn't thought get to it see was, that either. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. The only nomination it has is Best Original Score, which I actually agree with. I think it it's not going to win, unfortunately. I think Soul's going to win. That's uh, fair. It's a movie about jazz, right? I haven't seen Soul either. You know, there's only so much I can uh, do trying uh, to do this, get through finals. Oh no, no problem. I, I'll get. I got you covered. I got you hey, covered. I'll be better next year. Next year, coming you. in with the heat. Um, do you care to guess who did the score for uh, Soul? <laughs> Fincher's <sighs> Boys, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. Oh, they did the social okay. network. Uh. Who worked with Fincher, but also did the Loader soundtrack? Is that Atticus uh, Ross? That's, that's someone else. It's like an L, I believe. Because that's who I would have guessed. I'm not sure. Oh, well. Not sure. But Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are up for two Oscars in the same category. Mank and Soul. Best original oh, score. Trent, Trent Reznor. He goes hard, man. He goes, he goes hard, hard in the paint. Uh and one last thing I just want to say, the Academy is just so out of touch with what people are watching and enjoying. Like the five bloods is a really enjoyable movie. And it is really, it's long. It's two and a half hours, but it's really entertaining, really enjoyable it speaks on important stuff like war, like race, you know, stuff. The Academy in the past has it cared about. <laughs> and for whatever, some reason, whatever reason, they just don't care this year. They don't really film that calls them out. They don't care about (laughs) their own failings. Huh? Interesting. It's just so bad. And (laughs) this, uh, this, that's why I'm surprised they like Mank so much. Mank is just a shit fest on. Yeah. But they don't jerk Hollywood off, you know, (laughs) they're all about that films, even though they completely miss the irony. That's all about unionization and, you know, standing up oh, against it went over their heads? one authority. Yeah, of course it went over their head. <laughs> They're the same people who, you know, said Parasite was amazing, you know, standing up to the big 1%. It's like, well, you realize a lot of you guys fall in that category, right? <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. I want to talk about Netflix because I think it's only a matter of time before Netflix has a movie that wins Best Picture. Uh, so movies Netflix has that are nominated for Oscars this year. Mank, Trial of Chicago 7, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Hillbilly Elegy, The Five Bloods, and Pieces of a Woman. I have heard a lot about Hillbilly Elegy. Heard a lot about all those, but that one too, I feel like that one fell off the radar because everyone's talking about it for like a month and then gone. Yeah, and then it's gone. 
All I saw you, the book advertised in a lot of bookstores, half price books, things like that, and just nothing. And then the last two years at the Oscars, here's some movies that have been nominated. Netflix movies. The Irishman, Marriage Story, Roma, The Two Popes, and Klaus, which was an animated movie about uh, uh, the origins of Santa Claus. Wait, so, wait, wait, Roma was the Netflix film? Yeah. Huh. Do you believe that? I honestly had no idea. I thought they just bought it from Alfonso Caron. That is a masterpiece of a movie. Heard a lot about it. Have not seen it. I do believe it's in the Criterion Collection, though. So, you know, I got to get it. Probably should have won Best Picture. I'm kind of still kind of mystified how Green Book won, but. Uh, well, you, you know, they love their pandering. They love it. They love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's only a matter of time before Netflix has a movie that wins Best Picture. And I think might even be as soon as like next year or the year after it's pretty they've had some pretty uh interesting candidates the past two years but uh let's get into it coop we'll start with best supporting hey, actor quick aside really quick oh, yeah. just as a reminder for who wrote the lord of the ring score it's howard shore and yes. i was very wrong howard shore what? howard shore did the did the score for lambs as well you should do a podcast someday about you know sound Sounding it just score in general. I feel I feel like you could bring Nate on for that. He knows a lot. Nathan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Nathan, if it. you're out there, we hope you're sober. <laughs> <laughs> we hope your chair has a back. Yeah, well, he won't. He won't be tomorrow. He won't be tomorrow. <laughs> uh, best supporting actor. Let's get into it. Last year's winner was Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The nominees this year are Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago Seven. Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Coop, who's your pick? So, I'm just looking off this alone. It's very interesting. They list Lakeith Stanfield as a supporting actor. Because to me, yeah, I feel like he was the main actor in that film. You know, he was Judas in the film. Yeah, it was very exactly. obvious. And so it's I can see why they want to list him as supporting actor because the story is a focused around, you know, uh, Fred Hampton. But it's about the guy who betrayed Fred Hampton. So that's a strange nomination. I don't agree with that. As for the rest of these, I have not seen The Trial of the Chicago 7. I have not seen One Night in Miami and I have not seen Sound of Metal. I I really wanted to watch Sound of Metal. Sound good. Want to watch the rest of these. I enjoyed Daniel Kaluuya a lot in Judas and the Black uh, Messiah because after it ended, I know it had a bit at the end of the film, some real snippets talking or actually showing who Fred Hampton was. You could hear his real voice, and I know that Daniel Kaluuya nailed his accent, his cadence, everything about it. So I think he should probably win, but I haven't seen the rest of them, so I want you to talk. Well, my pick is also Daniel Kaluuya, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. First off, Lakeith Stanfield shouldn't even be in this category, like you said. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well. Kaluuya in Sicario. Well, Denny yeah. film. He's got my votes. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya is here to stay, folks, in case you didn't know. Uh, Coop's getting on here. Uh, his Daniel Kaluuya's career from 2015 to now. Sicario, Get Out, Black Panther, Widows, Queen and Slim, Judas and the Black Messiah. Not bad, Coop. Not bad at all. <laughs> you know, I see Black Panther on there. Who was he in Black Panther? 
He uh was one. He was like one of the military leaders. He wasn't in it all for uh, very long, but he oh, he, okay, was, okay. he was there. He was there. Um, yeah, I'm going with Daniel Kaluuya. It's, I don't think it's close. Uh, how would you? How would you have liked this? Robert Pattinson for Tenet in the Lakeith Stanfield spot. That would make more sense. Um, Pattinson was a huge part of the film. But was he enough to be nominated as best supporting actor? Hard to say. I just think he's. Hard to say. I just think the role is more supporting than Lakeith Stanfield. That's fair. The, Lakeith oh, Stanfield should be in no best doubt. actor. Right, but I'm kind of thinking, um, who was the bad guy in Tenet? Uh, the actor's name? Kenneth Branagh. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh, for those who don't know, he actually was uh, part of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and would do a lot of Shakespeare plays in the park where uh, he directed a lot of plays for Jesse Buckley, the main actress. And I'm thinking of leaving or I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, yeah. 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 The Coffin movie. Yeah. And I, I think <laughs> I think uh, he's a good pick for Best Supporting Actress in place of Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, yeah, I'd go with either one of those guys. Uh, oh, Kenneth Branagh was actor, awesome. Yeah. He was awesome in Tenet. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one I throw in, uh, Clark Peters for The Five Bloods. Yeah, I thought he was really good. And Chadwick Boseman for The Five Bloods. I thought <laughs> either of them could have been nominated. Uh, and I, have just, I just have one question on, uh, on Judas. Who do, you, who do you think that movie's about more? Fred Hampton but- or, or uh, Bill O'Neill? Like I said, Bill O'Neill, no, no doubt. You know, the film opens with him, closes a little bit with him talking, you know, real interviews with them. It's just it, the title says Judas and the Black Messiah. You know, it's it's about him. That's fair. That's who I would say as well. Uh, moving on, Best Supporting Actress. Last year's winner was Laura Dern for Marriage Story, rightfully so. Nominees this year are Maria Bakalova for Borat subsequent movie film. I'm just going to be honest, haven't seen that movie. I haven't, I haven't either. It. I know it got a lot of hype. Really wanted to see it. Yep. Uh, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yu Young Jung for Minari. Uh, who's your pick, Coop? I just finished Minari right before this. Certainly enjoyed that. Um, Although hard to say if she's my number one pick because I saw the father, I saw Mank, I saw Minari, and <sighs> certainly tough because I'm, I'm thinking the father. That was an amazing film, and Olivia Coleman had to go up against Anthony Hopkins, who he's going to steal the scene every time. So right. I feel like she's not going to get as much respect as she should compared to you know Amanda Seyfried. I feel like she always gets a good draw for whatever scene she's in. But then I want Glenn Close to win. I really do just because – has she won yet? No. I'm trying to look it up right now, but my no, internet she hasn't. is not happy. I'll she, tell you right now, she hasn't. She hasn't she's won. never won, right? She's no. dominated more than any other actress and has not won. Yeah, so, and that's, that's embarrassing for the Academy. So, just if they're going to pull the same bullshit they pulled in 2015 with Demi Moore over Rosamund Pike, at least choose Glenn Julianne Close. Moore. Julianne Moore. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I still, that's, that was horrible. And it, if they're going to do something similar this year, I'm not going to be super upset about it with Glenn Close because I heard she really deserved it. You know, I think all these are good choices. So you're going with Glenn Close. 
I will, yeah. Even though I haven't seen it, I've heard a lot about it. I'm going to go the Oscars route, just go off hype. <laughs> hey, you can get an Academy card right now. Awesome. Uh, my pick is Amanda Seyfried. And I'll just tell you, I know we said at the top that's not how we were going to do this, but I'll just tell you right now, she's not going to win. Amanda Seyfried is not going to win this award. But no. I think she should win because... Similar to your point about Olivia Coleman hanging with Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. Amanda Seyfried hung with uh, Gary Oldman pretty that's well. That's where she did. She did. Yeah. And like that scene where they were walking in the garden together, I thought that was mesmerizing on her part. Yeah. She, wow. beca- she became Marion Davies, literally. Like, I just think she deserves this. I think she does that in a lot of films too. So no complaints. Honestly, this year I think is one of the best years for Oscars in terms of overall nominations. Because I feel like a lot of these, even if you haven't heard of them, they all are a real, really no complaints with the nominations in any category. Certainly yeah, some they left yeah. out, but for the ones they included, no real complaints. Right. That's the thing. The ones they left out, I have more of a problem with than the ones yeah. that are nominated. Uh, I actually disagree with you. Yeah, yeah, so say your plea. Okay. Yeah, I actually disagree <laughs> with you on Glenn Close because here's my plea to the Academy. All right. Do not do this. <laughs> do not let Glenn Close's only Oscar be for this sh- shat film. <laughs> there are at least three more deserving candidates in this category. Do not fuck them over because of your past mistakes. <laughs> Don't. I want Glenn Close to have an Oscar, and it's a big indictment on the Academy that she doesn't have one already. A huge, probably the biggest indictment on the Academy is that Glenn Close does not have an Oscar. But don't let it be for this. Coop, I'm glad you brought up Julianne Moore because I'm getting major Julianne Moore over Rosamund Pike vibes. Like, just don't, don't, don't do this. I, I just find it hilarious that I've heard a lot of hype about this, and the first thing you open with, don't do it for this shit film. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, okay. This is, I'll tell you, I'm never going to watch this movie again. Okay? I'm never going to watch Hillbilly Elegy again. That's the kind of movie it is. Ron Howard is so much better than fucking Hillbilly Elegy. It's it's embarrassing. My Ron Howard directed The Grinch, not Hillbilly Elegy. (laughs) Paul 13, baby. Uh, But you're going with Glenn Close. I can't blame you for going with Glenn Close because it's Glenn Close. Yeah, I'm going with Amanda Seyfried. That's fair. That's um, fair. Moving on to best cinematography, I threw this in for you. I should I should have said at the top, we're not doing every category. Yeah, we are only doing uh, the big eight and uh, adding best cinematography because Coop's a big cinematography guy, and best animated feature because I'm a huge animated guy. So we added those two. Otherwise, it's the big eight, which are. Director, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, picture, original screenplay, and adapted screenplay. Uh, so let's do this one. Best cinematography, Coop. Last year's winner was your boy, Roger Deakins, for 1917. Yeah, baby! <laughs> let's go! This year's nominees, Judas and the Black Messiah, Sean Bobbitt, Mank, Eric Messerschmidt, News of the World, which another one I haven't seen. Uh, Darius Wolski, Nomadland, uh, Joshua James Richards, and The Trial of Chicago 7 by Feedin' Papa Michael. Who are you going with, Coop? So 
I read an article from the New Yorker last night where they talked about who should win versus who they think will win. They talked about the Child of Chicago 7 thinking it should win, have not seen it. I like Mank. You know, it's got that old school feel to it. It's one of the few I've seen from it. Um, I see your pick here, which I think is a little interesting. No real qualms with it. And so I want to hear about your pick. Well, first off, I like your pick because I think uh, pulling off pulling off that in a black and white movie is not easy to do. Yeah. I think it's, I think people overlook that part of it, but I, I agree with you on make my pick is no man land. And if it's not no man land, I hope it's make, uh, Fair. my, I picked no man land because there's a lot of tracking shots in this movie. And I think a lot of tracking shots in a movie can be bad. I think it can be bad most of the time. And in this movie, it's not, like I don't think it hurts this movie at all. So, I know you aren't a big No Man Land guy. You you were not. You you texted me a long, <laughs> a long response about you thought it was overrated. But uh, yeah, No I'm Man Land. The one of those films going into it where I had heard probably more hype out of that than any other film. I think I'd heard more about Minari just because of the outrage it initially got by being missed, placed in the wrong category, and they corrected that. Thank God with trying to put in the foreign film category, but I think I've heard more overall hype about Nomadland, which after reading about it, looking it up, because that's what I like to do about films that I'm very indecisive on. And I learned a lot of it is just really actual people they met on the road where Francis McDonald was on the road for the year. And so seeing that, seeing how well they blended this kind of documentary feel with a, you know, Hollywood set feel, I, I think it could win cinematography for that because it is very seamless in that aspect. Either that or to me, it almost seems like at times it's meant to be a mockumentary of a documentary field, even though it's an actual documentary. So it, it's very nice. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That was my thought exactly after I finished watching Nomadland was uh, yeah. that felt like a documentary. So that's probably why it'll win in all fairness. So, yeah, you, you, you've convinced me. I agree with you. Um, and that's what uh, the New Yorker had as well, I believe, for their pick. For oh, the same okay. reason. But if it's not Nomadland, I hope it's Make because uh, I okay. had similar feelings. The way you felt about Nomadland, that's how I felt about uh, Chicago Seven. I thought it was oh. just overhyped and fair, not uh, not deserving of a lot of the nominations it got. But moving on to best animated feature, uh, last year's winner was Toy Story Four, and the nominees are Onward from Pixar. Soul from Pixar, Over the Moon by Netflix, Wolf Walkers by Cartoon Saloon, and A Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon by Ardman Animations. I'm going to be honest, I've only seen the Pixar ones because those are the only ones that have a chance. So and it's going to be Soul. My pick is Soul because it's going to be Soul. And th- it should be Soul. That's fair. It's it's going to be Soul. It's hard to argue against Pixar. The two that I've heard the most about are actually Soul and Wolf Walkers. Oh. Yeah. Which I'd never heard of them before this. I think it's an Apple TV movie. I think is what it is. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask. And I think this on. is their first major film. Not aware of the studio. Did not look a lot into them. I don't get a chance to watch a lot of animated features. Uh, I'd, I'd like to watch more. I know you talked on earlier. And I don't get to watch a lot. Love them, but just don't really get a chance. So, Over the moon you know, can't really here. go wrong with Soul. You can't go wrong with Soul. You can't. And- 
over the moon being here uh major ferdinand vibes from a couple years ago <laughs> fair fair i think it's by the same studio i think i've only seen like the promos on netflix i honestly don't know anything about that film it's like what what are you doing here and then ardman animations i love them because they did chicken run very near and dear to my heart John the Sheep. yeah Wallace and gromit but i've never even heard of farmageddon uh me neither I, I thought this film was in production and came out like 2016 or something. So seeing it here, kind of strange because not even on my radar. Yeah, we're both going with Soul here. Um, Onward, I think, has the second best chance. I know you said Wolfwalkers is... Uh, yeah, I'll really play Devil's about. Advocate. I think Soul is going to win, but I'm going to go Wolfwalkers just off of beating Pixar alone. Let's let's go oh, for the hype. wow. Let's do it. Let's do I'm it. trying to let's knock off in. the Empire. Oh. Well, wow. I want to see what happens. <laughs> uh, here's here's my take on Soul Coop, and I, I want to know if you if you agree. I know you haven't seen Soul, but uh, I think it should be nominated for Best Picture, not because uh, it should win. You know, I'm a big animated guy, all right? and I know you are too. You 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 respect like Spirited Away and Shark Tale. You respect them. <laughs> Fuck, I'm covered in ants. Holy shit! Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the room I moved into, we tried to kill a lot of ants because the last fuckers did not keep it clean. So, well, see ants crawling on my hand. Shit, keep, keep going. Scared the shit out of me. But Soul, I think, should be nominated for Best Picture, not because I think it should win, because it shouldn't. But I think it's better than Trial of Chicago Seven. And I know you're a big fan of this movie, Coop, but I think it's better than The Father. I think Soul's better than The Father. Ooh, I have that might a joke be my hot you. take of this. Uh, this pod, but I think Soul's better than the Father. What's what's uh, your joke? No, no. Remind me later. It's going to be another Fincher Spider-Man situation. Uh, okay, all right. We'll <laughs> save it for after. Uh, here's a. It's not my fun... joke either. It's something I read. But here's a fun fact about this this category. There's been 19 animated feature awards. Pixar has won 10 of them. Dear God. 10. <laughs> if I was a betting man, pick Pixar all the way. <laughs> And this brings me to a, a little list I wanted to have you make, Coop. Um, your top five Pixar films. Well, so let's just I go from like five this to four. This little note you have about it should be nominated for Best Picture. And I cannot think about any time that an animated film has been nominated for Best Picture. Wait, was Spirited Away nominated? No. No. I, I can give you two times. Okay. Toy Story 3. Okay. And Up. I, I agree with Op. Toy Story three. I thought was a little mad, but I did enjoy the prank where this one guy cuts it right as they're in the oh, yeah. cut the gun in the incinerator. <laughs> That's amazing. If you haven't and seen the, that video on YouTube, look it up, people. The first one was uh, Beauty and the Beast in the nineties. That was awesome. okay. Okay, interesting so, choice. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go five to one. Your top five. Five to one. So give me let number me look. Five. Let, let me look. So I rank these right for the show, and they uh, don't want to pop up. There we go. So. Kind of hard to get number five. Couldn't really decide, but I think I went Finding Nemo. Argued also Cars maybe, but just it was near and dear to my childhood. You know, I think it had really kind of sparked my love for fish. Well, my love for fish started before that, but then it really bolstered it. You know, lots of kids love fish. Yeah. Uh, uh, four, Ratatouille. 
Man, that nice. one's great, you know. That is very underrated. I'm not big on French culture. I don't know if it's really underrated because that one I hear more about than any other, in all honesty. they wow. I know Pixar did a lot of research for all their films for it, and they went through a whole training course with the real chefs for a couple of weeks with Ratatouille. Like Nemo, what was special about that is they want to talk about water physics. What and an achievement, dude. What and an achievement. Ratatouille, the big challenge was, can we translate taste or smell to screen? Which, if you look at any Miyazaki films, who he's the guy who did Spirited Away, a big film that's all about taste, culture, things like that. This is essentially Pixar's response to it. And then, uh, number three, Monsters, Inc. What was special about that one? Once again, a lot of Pixar films go based on technology. That's And the story's built around that later on. Kind of like they're an animated version of James Cameron, where he does a lot of films for technology and then puts plot to it later on. Yeah. yeah. And so, three, Monsters, Inc., a lot of it was about hair physics. And I, I just love John Goodman. I love everything about it. That's one of their more original stories, Monsters, mm-hmm. Inc., I got to say. Yeah. Absolutely. Billy Crystal as well. Which, looking through the list of Pixar films, uh, to me, Monsters Inc. came out around the same time, the same spot in my mind as Lilo and Stitch. And realizing that Lilo and Stitch is not a Pixar film kind of throws me for a loop. It's a Disney one, though. Yeah. yeah. It's on Disney Plus, folks. Number two, Up. Nice. Everyone just talks about the first 10 minutes. First 10 minutes alone. I, I think this film won for whatever year it came out and is nominated in, in the first 10 minutes alone. It's it's a good film. You can't, you can't go wrong. I don't think I know anyone who hates the film no. who's seen it. No. And then number one for me, Toy Story 2. I just think it's the best Pixar film. I, I think it expands on the first one, does everything better. It said Blade Runner 2049 situation. <laughs> Toy Story 2, baby. I knew I knew you'd go there. I knew you'd go there at some <laughs> point. Uh, my number five is Finding Nemo. You want to know a fun fact about Finding Nemo? Yes. Best-selling DVD of all time. Interesting. Interesting. I totally believe it. I totally believe it. All but. the kids, all the kids that spend their days watching that. Yes. That's just because it's hard to find Sicario on DVD, Zach. <laughs> if Sicario had more copies, it should be number one, Zach. Turn on Sicario for your kids, Coop. Turn on. <laughs> oh, my niece is going to learn today. Well, ain't so, you know, nice and clear. Got to grow up some point. I number four is Toy Story 2. Uh, I think it's in the top three for movies I've seen the most. Just because when I was a kid, this was always on. Yeah. I know for a fact the DVD doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. just because it's been used so much. That's my Spider-Man cut. It's, it's starting to go out, man. My Spider-Man 2 doesn't work anymore. I need, to, I need to upgrade to Blu-ray or something. I'm afraid to upgrade just because I like the special features, man. I plugged into my computer, like I said, a year ago, and they still have a server that's yes. live that allows you to download their software so you can record your own commentary live while watching the film. That is awesome. That's that is beautiful. Awesome. Bring back more special features. Do it. Uh, my number three is Monsters, Inc. Um, I had, when I was a kid, I had Mike and Sully toys. I had Mike toys. Yeah. Wow. And I just, I think it is up to that point, it was their most original. Well, to me, it also, it's a little close to the heart for me because I'm like Mike and Ben is my Sully. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Who's yeah. who's your who's your Randall? I was just thinking about that. It's uh, it's Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of find it funny though. We both have Monsters Inc. as number three. <laughs> My number two is The Incredibles. Uh. <laughs> I think Brad Bird should direct a Fantastic Four movie because of this movie. See, so what I want to know about The Incredibles, I doubt you have an answer to this, and I did not think to look it up ahead of time, is that the um, Agnes Mode, I, I feel like she's supposed to be based upon... Oh, Edna Mode? Edna Mode, yeah. I believe. Like, I think she's supposed to be based upon Agnes Varda. Yes or no? Thoughts? I have no idea. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. Look her up. Look her up. She's big in the Criterion Collection. Look look her up. Hey, Brad Bird also did uh, Ratatouille. Brad Bird. Wearing Hawaiian shirts. I'm wearing one for you right now, Brad Bird. (laughs) My Animal Crossing shirt. Brad Bird's a god. Uh, My number one is Toy Story. The first Toy Story. The one that started it all. Uh, I had this movie on VHS. And when you got to the end, it would go into uh, the behind the scenes stuff, how they made it. And I just remember thinking, wow, that's really cool. Did, uh, did you forget to put a two after that? Uh, looks a little wrong. No, no, no. It's, it's OG. Okay, it's okay, it's okay if you forget. You know, nothing wrong with a little mistake. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, moving on to best director. Last year's winner was Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. And this year's nominees are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, which I got to say, if you have not seen Another Round, which oh gosh, I've been so hyped and I've not gotten to see it. Matt Mickelson, Mickelson can't miss. I want to see The Hunt really bad. It came out in like 2014. I want to see another round. Matt Mickelson is the reason I suffered through Polar on Netflix. Uh, Mad, what now? Because he was in it. Polar. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's opening my beer. It's a little loud. I thought Polar sucked, but Mads was awesome. So if you haven't seen another round, check that out. Thomas Vinterberg is nominated for that. Uh, David Fincher for Mank. He will not win, unfortunately. Uh, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. Cooper, who's your pick? So I see your pick here, and I feel like that's the crowd favorite. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. I think that touches a lot on getting that real balance between studio feel and documentary. And just getting the people who are real people in that film to ignore the cameras and just act natural. And it works so well. Because in the back of the mind, a lot of these people, you know, they might not know who Francis McDormand is, but they're going to see a camera and they're going to be like, oh, I get to be you know, in a film or movie or whatever. And they're still going to want to talk to the camera to get people to ignore it. And it just it feels natural. It's like I was not there. It is. And I was astonished after watching this movie. <laughs> And going, looking it up, like behind the scenes stuff, that those were real people and they weren't actors. I was absolutely astonished. They fooled me. They fooled my ass. I didn't see that. Yeah, definitely got me too. But I'm also going with Chloe Zhao for all those same reasons you said. She's the odds on favorite. Uh, I think you can pretty much book this, folks. (sighs) See, I I would love... Mank to win though just because I love David Fincher I know you do too and I think that he nails that old school feel for films you know he put a lot of effort into sound design as well with those old ribbon microphones or at least it sounds like it's that way and nailing those up close angled shots that you'd see a lot of Orson Welles films the Dutch angles stuff like that he is excellent at period pieces Uh just look not to bring up bad feelings but look up Zodiac Look at Zodiac. Yeah. I mean, but 
Sixties and seventies. He got he has it down. People aren't the biggest fans of biopics and not the biggest fan of period pieces. And to have those together in one, really not going to be a crowd favorite. Even though he does them well, you know, Social Network won a lot of awards, I believe, or at least got nominated, and that's big crowd favorites. And like you mentioned, Zodiac, and it's just one of those things where a film, a very meta film about Hollywood, about one of the, if not the most highly regarded film of all times. And yet, because of these other films, I feel like I feel like Hollywood would have picked it. And especially if these other films hadn't been, you know, released later on, or if Mank had been released closer to the Oscars premiere date, then perhaps they'd still pick Mank. But because so many people have talked about it and just shit on the Oscars, I feel like they're not going to pick it out of spite. Yeah, I just it's kind of mystifying how no make has the most nominations and it doesn't feel like it's going to win any so the same same thing happened with true grit back in 2010 i think had had like 12 nominations didn't win any well i'm gonna tell you my phrase for this whole semester and year fuck them fuck them that's my fuck phrase em. for life drink fuck up. Em. <laughs> this this would actually be a pretty historic win because it would be only the second time a woman has won in this category the first time was Catherine bigelow for the Hurt Locker, um, some snubs. Amazing film, amazing film. Which she went up in a hard year. And she, she went up she with James won. Cameron. Yeah, that is tough. And had Jeremy Renner as kind of you know the. To me, he's the main guy in the film, even though he's really the supporting actor. But he's the one I think of. Yeah. And there's early Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner to me, he's not really a. I don't see him as very much a engaging A-list. actor. Yeah, a-, a list. So to see her win like that, that's impressive. Yeah, right. that was that was a great movie. Um, some snubs. Uh, our boy Chris Nolan, obviously. Snub. Uh, Spike Lee snubbed, and Shaka King, the director of Judas and the Black Messiah, snubbed. That one hurts. That one hurts. That yeah. one hurts. That one hurts a lot. Uh, a little bit on David Fincher before we move on. He's been nominated only twice before for oh Benjamin Button and The Social Network. And Tell us who we lost to. Tell, well, tell us who. Well, folks, uh, The Social Network, which a lot of people had as their best movie of the 2010s decade, <laughs> lost to Tom... Hooper, director of Cats, at the 2010 Oscars, Tom Hooper directed The King's Speech, a movie no one has seen since 2010. I I did because I didn't see it originally, but I know how much you hate that film. I just and and he also directed Les Mis, and then to Cats. Well, what what a what a way to fall from grace. What are we doing? What that is so bad. That was only 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. And that is so bad. How do you pick? How do you watch? Say you watch King's Speech and Social Network back to back, and you come to the decision that King's Speech is a better movie. I mean, so here's I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Is that I watched uh, Social Network for the first time with my parents, and it's very hard to get my mom to watch because she's like, I don't want to watch a film that glorifies Facebook, even though she's on it all the time. It doesn't glorify and- it. Exactly. I had to convince her of that. She's like, I don't want to watch a film that talks about, you know, this or that. And I love my mom. She's a fucking god at guessing the end of films. She guessed she the end of Shutter Island before 
Leo left the dock. That's ridiculous. And yeah, it's, it's hard to convince her of watching a film where there's someone who's not a good guy, but you're going to be engaged in the film watching this not be a good guy, but also kind of going to say, okay, well, he has his moments. And so to me, the King's speech is more approachable in that aspect is that people are going to be like, oh, here's someone I know through history who he had to deal with more hardship, greater perils. And it's just going to be something that more of the older crowd, especially who they're the ones who are voting for these films, they're going to approach it in a better light. That and it was Colin Firth versus Jesse Eisenberg. So that's going to be everyone's favorite at the end of the day. Because Jesse Eisenberg, I'm thinking before Social Network, there was what, Zombieland? And that was think it, what else? Really. No. But he killed it at Zuckerberg. Oh, he, he did. It. He nailed it. I mean, Zucker- Eisenberg's not a very popular guy on Circle City Cinema, but he absolutely killed it in, in, uh, in Social Network. He was made to play that role. Which personally, I feel like the King's Speech is not as bad of a film as you make it out to be. But you know, I just don't own. think it should have be the Social Network. The, that, but that's that, the thing: the Social Network did too good of a job, and I think that's the problem with Fincher films. They do too good of a job at portraying that character or the idea, where it kind of sucks you in, and you have to live in that film no matter how off-putting it is. Because a lot of his films, they're not. They're not approachable people. Like if I had to meet a lot of these people living in the world of Seven, Zodiac, Social Network, if I had to personally be involved, th- fuck right. that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, which think about it. The only film Panic that's Group. highly beloved on all accounts is Fight Club, and that's the one where it's like, oh, this seems like fun. Then you realize these guys are a bunch of jackasses. Yeah, yeah. It's. I, I think that's what Fincher suffers from, and I think that's why Mank falls in that category you have to live in that world and people don't want to live there it's uh no I, it's not even like you can say well he lost to a good director actually tom hooper sucks <laughs> he's falling off the wagon that's for sure he's <laughs> cats come on what are we doing give us that butthole cut no don't please don't just bury that movie bury it <laughs> put it next to et in the desert <laughs> <laughs> the game that is of course you take the game <laughs> The game. Uh, best original screenplay. Last year's winner was again Parasite. Love it, love it. Which, by... for the record, if you get the Criterion edition, and at the beginning there's a little it. snippet by Bong Joon Ho talking about how you can watch it and love for black and white films. Uh, I got blackout drunk, turned on this feature, didn't know it was yeah, a thing, and so I turned on the film afterwards. It went right into it, and I was about an hour in before realizing the whole film's in black and white. And it was cool, and it definitely added to it. But you know, you, you sent me a text that night while you were watching, and uh, here it is right now. This is no, no, such no, a good night. Look, it was four a.m. I was naked and fell out of my hammock. That's all I remember. Watching the Criterion of Parasite. So that was written by Bong Joon Ho and Han Jin Won. But the nominees this year are Judas and the Black Messiah. Written by Will Burson and Shaka King. Minari, written by Lee Isaac Chung. Promising Young Woman, written by Emerald Fennell. Uh, Sound of Metal, written by Abraham Martyr and Darius Martyr. And The Trial of Chicago 7, written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, what's your pick? What are you going with? So, I have only seen two of the five. Saw Judas the Black Messiah, loved it. Saw Minari. 
spoiled the ending for myself midway through the film because I tried to roast you with the <laughs> snippet from the film. That hurt. That hurt a lot. Um, just, just don't look up films while you're watching them. I have a bad habit of doing that. And the rest, I honestly had not heard about Pretty Young Woman at all. At it's all. It's good. I watched it yesterday. It's, uh, it's Sound of Metal, I've heard good. a bit about more than the Charles Chicago 7, where the Charles Chicago 7 had a lot of hype starting out. I feel like Sound of Metal has stayed longer, and I heard the sound production is great. So I'm kind of interested. I feel like it's not a crowd favorite, but I think it'd be kind of neat to see it win just off of what I've read about it, what I've heard about it. Sound but of Metal? Personally, it, out of all these, I'm going to go Judas and the Black Messiah. For It's It's amazing. It I know a lot amazing. about Fred Hampton going into it, read a lot about it afterwards, and I love that. In fact, uh, interesting thing about Judas and the Black Messiah is the main FBI agent in the film, he talks about working on the 1964 lynchings of Jesse those Clemens. civil rights workers, which is the same story from 1988's Mississippi Burning with Willem Dafoe and Gene Hackman. Now, the guys in that film, the FBI agents that they play – are not real people, but the guy in Judas and the Black Messiah is a real FBI agent. That's his real name. He's the real guy who worked on it, and I believe that's who Willem Dafoe's character is supposed to be in Mississippi Burning. And I recommend that as a double feature if you're going to watch both. Watch Mississippi Burning first. That's I watched that on you know, Friday, and then I watched on Monday this week Judas and the Black Messiah. Highly recommend them both. Um, I'm going with Promising Young Woman. Uh, I thought it was the most personally I wouldn't have I know it's Aaron Sorkin and I know he's I mean Aaron Sorkin is pretty beloved on this pod and everywhere but um, I'm going with Promising a Woman because I thought it was the most original out of all of these uh, but this this category is very very up for grabs like if you put a gun to my head I don't know who I'd, I don't know who I'd pick well see so, that's what I love about this year is that I really can't be upset by any choice. Yeah. Right. There's going to be some that hurt and that's every year, but this year overall, I think, I think the Oscars are turning around and they're getting more people interested. Right. Like last year, it seemed like, I know, I know like the week up to the Oscars last year, it seemed like 1917 was going to win and then Parasite got all this momentum. Yeah. One. But other than that, deservedly so deservedly. So, but other than that, yeah. it, all the other uh, it was pretty well pretty said. locked up, yeah. Like and Joaquin, this is the first Brad. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the first year in a while in which people who aren't even interested in films are gonna pay attention to the Oscars. You know, they're excited to see where this goes. This is a very pivotal year for everyone, for anything in general, and the Oscars as our culture the hangout clash uh, awards, obviously. Whatever you want to put it, it's on a special pedestal this year, especially given what 2020 was overall. Yeah, it's on a it's on a different pedestal for sure. It is. Um, no tenant, Cooper. I know, I know. I'm I'm not surprised. Let's be real. It should be here under original screenplay because let's be real. That's one of the most original films I've ever seen, exactly. and it addresses all the science in a reasonable aspect. I read through the one doctor who helped him out on interstellar and on tenant read through a lot of his papers before our tenant pod and everything in that film, assuming, assuming you can reverse entropy, assuming that, which is the huge if, which read the last question by Isaac Asimov, which is about entropy. Assuming you do that, the rest of the film holds up. 
I think it really presents time travel is kind of the best way to put that in a very palatable term. I would kick out method. Chicago 7 in favor of Tenet just because Chicago 7 was based on an actual event. That's the only reason. Um, moving on to Best Adapted Screenplay. Last year's winner was Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi. This year's nominees, Borat subsequent movie film that had way too many writers, so I didn't put them all down. <laughs> Multiple writers. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, the Father, written by Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller, based on the play by Florian Zeller. Nomadland, written by Chloe Zhao, based on the book by Jessica Bruder. One Night in Miami, uh, written by Kent Powers, based on his own play. And then The White Tiger, written by Ramin Barani, and based on the novel by Aravind Adiga. My pick is Nomadland, which I think uh, is going to win. I think uh, maybe I think it's going to win at least four Oscars. Nomadland? Yeah. Yeah, you want to put shots that? I'll take that bet. Yeah. Uh, who who you taking here? So, first off, I just want to say I'm not entirely sure how the adaptive screenplay category works. I feel like that one is always the most up in the air out of any category ever. And... It, to me, it's a very strange category. It's almost like you got second place for best film and, or best director. Either way, that's that's where a lot of these films fall. Right. And so it's strange knowing their criteria. I've not heard at all about The White Tiger. Dottie, you mentioning it's the I first time I've heard about it. I have read the title, One Night in Miami. That's it. I've only heard it mentioned in like one comment online. I saw Nomadland, was very up near on it. Borat subsequent movie film, had a lot of hype. I hate the idea of adapted screenplay being based on prior films. I know they did that bullshit with what, like Toy Story three or four. That was right. dumb as fuck. Yep. And I think that's that's stupid as hell. And to me, I absolutely loved The Father. It's not a film a lot of people are gonna enjoy though. I don't I don't see it winning. I, I enjoyed the father. I, a lot. I want it to win, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in on the father on this. I could see Borat winning just off hype, you know. I enjoyed these. The Father a lot. I'm with you. And The Father to me was an extremely personal film because I had to go through the same shit in 2020 with my grandfather going through Alzheimer's, putting him in a home. 2020 sucked, and that film was real close to home. So, yeah, I went through the same thing with my yeah. grandma in 2019. And, yeah. you know, I think people like us and probably most of the people listening have uh, dealt with dementia in some way, and The Father probably felt really personal to them. And I, I'm going to, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to switch my pick. I'm going to switch yeah, from Nomadland I, to The Father. I see. That's the thing. That's the thing with Nomadland. I thought it was me. a good film. It's They both deal in loss in different ways. They both deal with hardship in different ways. And they both fit 2020's overall theme of just a bad year for everyone. But the reason why I think The Father is better, it's more personable. Nomadland, what pissed me off the most about the film, which I think it will grow on me in time, is that the character, the main character, she goes through a lot of hardships, a lot of it that are outside of her control, a lot of it that are within her own. People offer her help. She's not good about accepting it. Everyone can relate to that. And the thing is, though, it's supposed to make you like her. And at the end of the film is that she gets burned a lot, and it's like, oh, boo-hoo, this is my fault. I know I'm very guilty of doing that own shit where I get burned and then don't want to take blame for it, and I'm trying to become better about that. But it's one of those films that's like, look, you could do this, but don't try to say, like, she's a good person in the end. Don't try to say that she's sure. very likable. She's not. But right. the father, it's one of those where you could see the daughter cares. You could see that Anthony Hopkins cares. But there's just this this affliction affecting 
both of them that neither can control. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough. I, I want to hit on your point about sequels and Borat is the sequel in here. Uh, it has no business being nominated in this category. And I'm right with you. I said it on our, I think anniversary pod when we talked about the social network and true grit and shutter Island quit nominating fucking sequels in this category. <laughs> Cause guess what? It's not original. It's just a sequel. So just stop. So just stop. I think the only time you could allow sequels, and this is something I just thought of right now, is the idea where it's a sequel from the antagonist point of view or from you know an alternate third-party point of view yeah. about the same story. So that's where if so, it is kind of like a Judas and the Black Messiah thing. If someone came through with a sequel that follows Fred Hampton's life or the FBI's life, I, I could allow that because it's sure. an alternate viewpoint. But when it's following the same characters, same situations or whatever, slightly modified – that's it's dumb it's just dumb it's dumb as hell it doesn't count so just just stop doing it please yeah um if you want to do that just make a category of your best sequel yeah they they don't need more categories well they got rid of what sound mixing and sound editing put it all together and wanted just sound right yeah because they don't they don't know what it is they don't know what sound is oh the academy doesn't know what something is what a surprise (laughs) uh the big three coop coming we're coming down to the big three best actress Last year's winner was Renee Zellweger for Judy. But to be honest, still haven't seen Judy. I don't know anyone who's talked about it at all. In fact, I thought Renee Zellweger quit acting to, I don't know, be a mom or paint or something. Seems like all actors and actresses just paint now. Cameron Diaz quit. <laughs> she quit. Maybe you got your blondes mixed up. I do. And that is 100% <laughs> who I was thinking of. Yes. Uh, this is a pretty... This is kind of a loaded category. Our nominees are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Cooper, who's your pick? So I love Frances McDormand in anything she's in because she's always just great actress, one of Goat my favorites. Shit. Goat shit. And... To me, why I don't see Nomadland winning is because she's this very grumpy, unlikable person, which fits with you know 2020's you know whole theme of just grumpy year for a lot of people, very off-putting. And to me, it's that she really latches onto that. And for a film that forces us to try and like her, it works against her, even though she's good. And I've heard a lot about Viola Davis. I love her. You know, we first saw her back in Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. The lady checking him in when uh, he's the human spider. Yeah. And to see her grow up over the years, you know, hidden figures, I think when she first really blew up on the big screen, see her now. I think she's the number one pick. I've heard a lot about pieces of a woman with Vanessa Kirby, but I got to go Violet Davis. I love everything she's in. Nobody hates Viola Davis. You know, everybody's, you're always happy to see her. I've never heard a bad argument against her. She's never bad. Film she's in. She's never bad. Which like I said, Francis McDormand, good, but perhaps too good. Plays against herself. Yeah, and we'll get to Francis McDormand in a sec, but she's already won twice. Fair. Yeah. Three billboards, right? And probably something else. Fargo. Fargo and three billboards, yeah. Yeah. Um, Viola Davis has won for Best Supporting Actress. She's never won for Best Actress. So maybe it's time. Yeah. But uh, my pick is not Viola Davis. It's Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan 
was unbelievable and promising young woman. I had never, I didn't know she could go like that dark. She went dark. Cooper, so you know who I compare it to? Tell us. Rosamund Pike in uh, Gone Girl. Okay, you know what? I know nothing about Promising Young Woman, and I was going to watch it next, but decided to watch The Father and Minari first, because to me, Promising Young Woman, hearing nothing about it, seeing it as one of the eight best picture noms, and hearing nothing about it, put it at the bottom of that list. And the trailers on IMDb seem really dumb. It seems like this kind of like quirky, upbeat film, and kind of like Heathers or oh, something. It's not upbeat. Know. It's not upbeat at all. Yeah, so I think it suffers from very, very dog shit level marketing and so hearing you talk about how she's like rosamund pike in gone girl if someone said that i would have watched this film first before anything else serious inspiration from rosamund pike so yeah you saying that i'm gonna go watch this as soon as i can probably tomorrow but because of that i i don't know I, i really don't know much about the film i don't know anything about her um i would just say look out for viola davis and francis mcdormand in this That's category. Right. If it's not Carrie Mulligan, it's probably going to be one of them. Um, we talked about McDormand. This would be her third best actress win. The other ones, like we said, were Fargo and Three Billboards. She would join Catherine Hepburn, who might be the greatest actress of all time, as the only actresses with three wins in this category. So it's interesting that you say greatest actress of all time because a lot of people agree just off wins. But... I'm going to go based upon people who either don't have enough nominations or aren't recognized enough, and I'm going to say greatest actress just as a small aside. You could argue three people here, Meryl Streep, Glenn Close, and Kathy Bates. I know you're a big Kathy Bates guy. Yeah. And I I appreciate it. She's amazing. She is amazing. And she steals the scene. And everything. And to me, it's it's like it's a John C. Riley kind of situation that they're both amazing and everything, but not appreciated enough. And they're often led or left to supporting actor or actress roles, you know? Yeah. Three, Sucks. I mean, three wins in a category. Like, for instance, best actor, the only guy to win it three times was Daniel Day Lewis. So you're in rarefied air here. Yeah, you know. you're in rarefied air here. So it seems like three is the magic number. We've never seen anyone get to four. We've seen, like, for instance, Catherine Hepburn has four, but three of them are in this category and the other one's in supporting actress. Okay, but we've never seen more than four wins in all categories. I don't think so. Actors, actors. Okay, okay. I don't think so. Could be wrong, but I don't. I don't think so. Interesting. Best actor. Uh, Last year's winner was, of course, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. What did you think of Joker? I loved it. I I like seventies style films and sets and. 70s culture and everything and seeing joker put in that area it's great and i know a lot of people hated on the film critics i know a lot of regular people like you and me we love it and but the critics hate it because they said it's a knockoff of taxi driver it's definitely an homage definitely pulls from it a lot definitely and a lot i think one that's even more of a direct knockoff is you were never really here which I think came out in 2017 also starring Joaquin phoenix and right. I I loved both. I really did. And I, I feel like those who are like, oh, well, it's a taxi driver knockoff. It's like, well, more than one person can, more than one guy can be lonely and have mental illness. You know, you yeah. can't just say, oh, it belongs all to Martin Scorsese just because he was amazing and the first person to do it in the greatest form that we've probably ever seen. 
but other people can talk about it too. So I, I don't. Always, I think yeah. I think he won, and he deserves it. I don't always agree with that criticism. That well, they just they just took inspiration from this and just ripped yeah. it off. Actually, yeah. Joker. Yeah, yeah, it took a lot of inspiration from it. It didn't rip it off. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it did. I do think you were never really here. Definitely ripped it off. Which yeah, I think that's, that's on Amazon for those who want to watch it. I recommend Joaquin, it. Joaquin, baby, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the nominees this year: Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Make, and Stephen Yoon for Minari Cooper. Stacked. Just stacked. No matter stacked. what, Loaded. no matter what, I'm not going to be upset. Even Sound of Metal, probably the one I've heard about the least, still not going to be upset, even though I haven't Loaded seen it, just category. because it sounds like such a good film off the premise alone, off the trailers alone, off everything I've heard alone. But... So here's the thing. Chadwick Boseman, great actor, taken before it's too soon. Fuck pancreatic cancer. Took him, took Steve Jobs, took my grandma. Fuck yep. pancreatic cancer. Fuck it. And I think they're going to give it to him. It's going to be a lot like uh, Heath Ledger's Joker situation where he won, deservedly so, but bolstered a little more because of his death. Yeah. The, the Academy loves playing into deaths or to emotion like that, which – makes sense That's being fair. actors fair. and shit but it's also it feels a little like it cheapens the actors actresses those people's you know whole role a little bit but well, i think ledger would have won either way I, I i that's fair that's fair and so that, that's why i think chadwick boseman will win this i think there's no real argument with him winning it but personally off of what i've seen i just love the father i love anthony hopkins yeah Gary Oldman's great as Mank. Stephen Yeun, just watch Minari. Great. But Stephen Yeun, to me, from what I've seen, is probably the weakest in this category. And he's really not even weak. But it's just these other people are heavy this hitters. A, this is a loaded category, much like no. last year. The, yeah. The Oscars have upped their game in the big three categories in the past four years, I'd say. I think they got a lot of flack for 2015 and they started getting better. In 2017 is where we really saw the Oscars start to come back. So you're going with Hopkins. I I want Hopkins to win. I want him to win, but I think it's going to be Chadwick. I'm going with Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, I it was a toss up for me between Bozeman and Hopkins. I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom this morning. He. Uh, Stole the stole the movie. I, I mean, this is a movie with Viola Davis, and he he stole he stole the movie. Fair. Uh, Fair. This is uh, it's his best acting performance. I don't even think it's close. That's including Black Panther. That's including. Uh, hey, hey, you know what he was on? You know what, what? he was on? What? Fringe. He was on Fringe. No one else watches Fringe, man. But he was on it. <laughs> the first time I ever saw him. It's uh, this. I think this is going to be a nice moment because Chadwick Boseman. It's kind of weird. I don't think we realized how much he meant to current Hollywood until after he died. Well, see, soon, here's the thing. As soon as he died, it was like, wow, he was in a bunch of important stuff. Well, here's the thing. You were trying to name a lot of films that he was in. If you look at it, he was not in a lot. He was in a good amount in a short period, but overall, not in a lot. So he came up hard. He hit hard. He didn't. He didn't miss. No, 
his movies might not have some of his movies the, the might movies, not have been great if you but... look at them a lot of them didn't necessarily miss but even going back to fringe his day is just a minor character in a tv show in an episode that not a lot of people saw he still does a fantastic job yeah like for instance ma rainey's black bottom i wouldn't put it in chadwick boseman's top five movies but i think it's his best performance you know yeah. so yeah. this is gonna be a really nice moment i'm with I, you. I think this is gonna happen I think he's also why people liked Black Panther because I read a lot of the Black Panther comics growing up. I really don't think the movie is all that special, but I think he was special for it. He was the greatest T'Challa. Love the movies. He was perfect for T'Challa, but I, like I said, movie's not special. He is. Uh, that's another one you and I disagree on. I thought the movie was great, but uh, <laughs> like I said, I love the comics and I I love no more about it, but. Uh, this is going to be, like I said, this is going to be a really cool moment. Uh, I think the only thing that the only person that could upset him here is Hopkins just because Hopkins was, I mean, where do you rank that? Do you put that only behind Hannibal Lecter for him? I do honestly. Cause I was looking through, uh, I was reading about awesome. Hopkins discography right after I finished the film. Cause I was thinking about that and Hannibal Lecter is his most notable film. And, I was thinking, I was trying to read through his Wikipedia page talks about the guy who directed a lot of films for him in the 80s after he stopped working for the Royal Academy of the Arts and went into film. And he said that he was the most important actor of his era and most pivotal. And I can agree. He is huge. A lot of people might say Marlon Brando. Lots of people might argue Marlon Brando falls a little bit outside of his time. I think he's kind of right on the line and you could argue he's big in that area. And Anthony Hopkins, he hits big every time. So yes. this scene, like I said, this film, I think is probably to me, it's the most personal film of 2020. I've never cried during a film, but I shed a tear during The Father. That hit real fucking close to home. Call your grandparents' kids. Do it. Yeah. And if they have dementia, buckle up. Get some help. Yeah, it's... Those are the two here. Um, I think it's going to be Bozeman. You think it's going to be Hopkins? It's going to be one of those two. Well, I think it's going to be Bozeman. I want it to be Hopkins. And either way, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. It's I think, be I think they're going to choose Bozeman just because of a lot of the hype surrounding his death. And even though he's really good, it's just people are going to get upset. They're going to get upset if they don't choose it. And this is the time for the Oscars to make a comeback. So let's be and real. I'm the Oscars likes to play a bit of politics. So yeah, I'm not going to yeah. be upset. I'm not going to be upset if they choose Bozeman. But I feel like going against that saying, oh, it's not going to be him for blah, 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 blah. It's, I think you're just, you're just going to be wrong. It's going to be, it's going to be a cool moment. I think, uh, moving on to best picture, final one finisher, best picture. Last year's winner was of course, parasites. It was honestly shocking because it seemed like 1917 was a lock. And then the day, yeah. like actually it was two weeks beforehand. I think is what I remember reading all these tweets about it. And it's got a lot of push. And I think that's because they'd announced the Snowpiercer TV series or whatever, and a lot of people watched it. And I saw Snowpiercer before I'd ever heard of Bong Joon-ho because I heard a lot about it. I I thought Snowpiercer sucked. Yeah, I didn't. I I thought it was a dog shit film. I thought it was dumb as hell. But Parasite is my number two film of all time. Fucking rocked. And it's it's incredible. Fucking rocked. This is a little no-name film. Probably never heard of it. Parasite. (laughs) You should totally check it out. I just remember all these tweets about it at the time, which – 
not to talk politics, but I, I kind of thought it was funny when it was first nominated for foreign film and uh, people were like, oh, yeah, well, how could it really be best picture whatever? Because it's a foreign film and you had uh, Trump t- tweeting about how, oh, I can't watch a film that has subtitles. It's dumb. And then later tweeted, Parasite's my favorite film of the year. <laughs> I, just, I think it's funny seeing that flip flop. <laughs> little side by side meme. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the 2019 was a loaded year, dude. It was, it was so that it was it was it was a good year. Like I said, 2017 is where the comeback started. I think 2019 yeah. was the best movie year of that decade. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue with you. It was fucking. Loaded. I think 2010 really belongs in that decade. So, because I, I go 2000, yeah. like 2009 is how things yeah. work. Well, actually, the Oscars you vote. For the Oscar year, based upon the previous year, yeah, no, never mind. So, 2010 should fall within the 2000s. You're so, right. John Wick Chapter Three, notable, not nominated last year for Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> Good cinematography. I don't know if it's nominated for that either, but but like movies like that that came out last year, yeah, we forget. Like, I know oh, you didn't I like Endgame, but Endgame. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you forgot John Wick Three. Us. Yeah, yeah. Us if you want a fun drinking game, play it with 40 hands, drink whenever someone's oh shot or stabbed God. or injured. You'll be done in five minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, Us came out last year. Us, a movie we saw in the theater. Us was good. It got a lot of um, got a lot of hype, but it, it had a weird ending, so it threw a lot of people off. I thought it was better than Get Out. I Some thought Get Out did. was not all that special. I enjoyed the first secret ending of Get Out, which I listened to yours get out podcast and hearing about the second one that was a wild yeah that was that was insane so to me i thought us was better but it's a little strange picture for those who aren't used to kind of art house wins or whatever and what what else you got for us yeah so the nominees this year are the father judas and the black messiah mank minari nomadland promising young woman sound of metal and the trial of chicago seven so before anything else is this year the start where I know they said they wanted to start putting limits on films and categories because a lot of years they vary in length. And even this year, you see it vary across different categories. So is this the first year they've kind of decided we're going to put eight films for best picture from here on out? Uh, next year, it's starting um, 10. It's, 10. it's, okay, not, ju- it it's 10. not just up to 10. It's actually like pick you. They pick 10. Okay. Yeah. To me, I think that's fair for Best Picture. It's the one people care about the most. Yeah. So, and especially when you have a year like 2019 where no, Parasite was, you know, the alpha, but it was a loaded year and there were a bunch of movies that needed to be recognized. Uh, so, those are the nominees for this year. My pick, and I think Cooper's pick will be the same unless it's changed today, is Judas and the Black Messiah. That's uh, that's fair. That's fair. Is that your pick? Uh, I mean, I wait. Hold on. Oh, okay. I see the father in here. I want the father to win. I've said it multiple times. I want it to win. Judas and the Black Messiah, though. It's just, it's gonna touch on everything big. I read about Fred Hampton's life going into this. So, uh, I, 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 2020 was big for racial riots. It was big for a lot of different things. Judas the Black Messiah is big overall that year for the Hollywood loves its big, you know, we're, you know, 
we're cultural, we're advanced, we're, you know, look at us go. And so Judas and the Black Messiah is going to be big for them to pick it for a whole bunch of reasons and more. You're going with Judas? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, don't be surprised, folks. I'll just, No Man Land, unless something radically changes in the next 48 hours, No Man Land's going to win. Uh, don't be I'm, surprised. You know, I'm going to argue against either. you. I, I, I think Judas has a better pan. I hope so. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go against you on that one. I'll take a shot, but I hope I'm wrong. No. And uh, don't be surprised if Chicago Seven wins because, for whatever fucking reason, they're all over this movie. And let me, let me, I let you riff on Tenet, Coop. So step aside. Let me, let me take it here. Take it. Chicago Seven is an okay movie, but it's a total joke that it's nominated for best best picture here. When there are two movies in The Five Bloods and Soul that are better that are better than it. And I just, oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know what it was about Chicago seven because Aaron Sorkin is obviously a great writer. Maybe the best right now. Um, I thought the acting was good, but I just thought the movie was just like a C C minus movie. And that's another one. Like I'm never, I'm never going to fire up trial of Chicago seven again. I'm never going to fire it up. So Whereas the five bloods and soul, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to watch those again at some point. I just don't, I don't know why I don't fuck, fuck them. Fuck them. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, here's why I'm picking Judas. Judas is going to be remembered five years down the line where a movie like nomad land is not. That's why I'm going to pick Judas because that's always been my problem with the Academy, especially when they pick shape of water over Dunkirk. Because Dunkirk, people are still watching Dunkirk. They're not watching Shape of Water anymore. Nobody is. So that's that's why I'm picking Judas, plus all the reasons Cooper said. Well, Cooper, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, you're going to be on again on Sunday. Coming back. Live. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're going to get genuine reactions in real time. You're going to get a lot of joy. Maybe you're going to get a lot of uh, grief, anger, a lot, a lot of stuff, but uh, uh, check out the rest of the stuff on the running hook network. You know, we got Lynn sanity coming back next week with Caleb and Bryce getting you ready for NBA playoffs. I'm going to be on there a couple times. Um, Battleground came out uh, a couple days ago, J.D. Hall and Bryce Shaddy and I were joined by Will Hogsett talking talking NBA, talking Lakers, talking uh, – what else did we talk? Injuries, all kinds of stuff in the NBA. Power Hour came out today with Pistons, uh, Trailblazers, and – can't remember the other team. Can't remember the other – Bucks. Trailblazers, Bucks, Pistons. So that was a good one. Check that out. Top came out today, breaking down all of the defensive prospects, the top defensive prospects for the NFL draft next week. Another great episode from Top. Good to have them back in the rotation. Divine Rhyme, Coop. I think you might like Divine Rhyme. They're talking music. I was talking Jake Cole this month. Forest Hills Drive was their last episode. So is that a news segment? Because I'm not big into sports. I'm trying to get more into it. But Divine Rhyme. That's, that's our music pod. 
Okay, I would definitely be down for that because you know I love I love my modern rap. I love my seventies music, just about everything in between. Great addition to the Running Hook Network. Divine Rhyme with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes. So check that out. Uh, now, bye. Uh, well, what's up? I was gonna say, can we talk about you? Is is are you ready to announce your thing or nah? Not just yet. We're gonna keep the folks. Uh, we're gonna keep the folks on a little cliffhanger here. Okay, All right. that's fair. That's fair. You know, that's why I had to ask. You know, we're gonna keep my local fair. Uh, let's see what else we got. Facts and stats with JD Hall, a friend of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Uh, uh, check them out. Check facts and stats out. JD doing some quality monologues over there. So check that out on important stuff. So check that out. Uh, once again, Cooper, thank you. See you uh, on Sunday. I just want to give a shout out. To, who did you have on the Inception podcast with that, Alex Rice? Bryce, I want to give him a shout out. He gave me a shout out on that one. I want to give him now. <laughs> love, his, love his style. Love him. I haven't, I haven't seen his stuff, but uh, he, he sounds like a fun guy. Yeah. Bryce is great. Bryce has been on uh, and, uh, the Fast and Furious pods, and he was on Inception, so that's great. And I heard you want to do a, a T2 podcast with me at some point. Obviously, we got the Sunday one coming up. I want to do an Interstellar one with you. And obviously, whenever we finally do our fucked up movie marathon i got hardcore in oh god got the rest to watch that's poor, gonna be poor george c scott man that's, that's gonna be a rough pod <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know if you make a pot out of that you have to clear that out your producer that's not I gonna think, be a fun one i think we might just uh enjoy that in the moment and be Fair. like wow this is fucked wow. maybe we'll tell people what we plan to watch for it that's, that's <laughs> which uh if you want to have your own fucked up movie marathon it'd go uh, hardcore 1979 george c scott followed by eight millimeter joel schumacher Good 1998 movie. uh and then 2000 and seven or 2008 martyrs unrated french version french canadian and then finish it off with um damn it what was that last one what was it i i have it in my list yeah whatever whatever Mar- martyrs martyrs was the tough one that was going to be the real rough one well cooper i'll see you sunday and as always folks thanks for listening